You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Well, you weren't here yesterday, unfortunately. You were around in the morning, but you're here today. And of course, it's an empty lobby today, right? It's just you and I, right? Same as it always was, mm-hmm. right? Back to, you know, we had a full house yesterday and we're back to where we were. Mm-hmm. It's usually how it goes. So we'll have a, um, also, I talked to Marty today. We're in the process now. We're setting it up. I also, I called Jason today, our judge. He will be here on Friday, usual time. Uh, for those that are wondering, that will that is a podcast that will be on our exclusive this week. It is only available on our exclusive. We're doing another Room 101 which is our take on George Orwell's uh, Room 101, where you put ideas you don't like and, you know, uh, topics you don't like, uh, and you argue them to the judge. And yeah, we we make a comedy show out of it. Uh, And we're going to uh, put that out on our exclusive this week. So that will not be available. I'll say it again. That will not be available on our normal channels. It will not go out on Spotify. It will not go out on iTunes. It will not go out on Podbean or Stitcher or any or Pandora or iHeartRadio. It will only be available as our exclusive this week on our Telegram channel. So I bet you're looking forward to that, yeah? Sure. Listen to him. He's not even excited. I'm I'm actually telling you, Bruce, we're going to be doing comedy. We're going to have a laugh this week. We need a break. Comedy is difficult for me. Uh, we'll, we'll just put it that way. In the it's sense difficult for me, too. Look, I mean, you know, you, you know me. How often do I smile? Well, okay, I'm a very serious point. individual. I'm, I'm a very serious fair individual. Point. Yeah, but true. Every now and again, we need to have a good time. Uh, now, you can't tell me the last time, the man bun, right? You can't tell me you didn't laugh at that. No, no, I'm not saying I, I don't laugh at it and I don't find it funny. It's that coming up with something that is funny to bring to the masses is difficult for me. Because, uh, you know, your your bathtub idea was pretty good last time. I thought, OK, I, I, I got to admit I'm interested in this one. I stole it. You stole it. Yeah, I stole it. Well, nonetheless, it worked. I just happened to agree with the idea. <laughs> Fair point. But we're not talking about that today. However, that is going to be coming up on uh, it'll be coming up on Saturday this week. We're going to be doing it on Friday uh, and it'll go out on Saturday. It will be our exclusive this week, only available to our Telegram subscribers. If you're not signed up to us on Telegram, get registered, get over there, get signed up to us for a public channel uh, and you'll get that podcast this week. But this afternoon, we're going to talk about HR1, right? A little bit. Yeah, some other pointers. We can't really talk about it because it's another one of those like thousand page documents that you have to go through yeah well yeah. it's a good it's a good starting point for the day i mean we got some other stuff i got some clips of fauci to up oh, fauci's oh it, th- this guy's incredible he, he's incredible some of the stuff that he said on uh, face the nation we got that clip coming up we got some other things we're going to talk on today the biden administration is being sued we'll get to that shortly let's start with hr1 okay so you saw what was it like 10 or 15 points that are the most mm-hmm. important out of it so somebody's actually gone down through and picked out all this stuff they probably we had 10 people assigning each of us 100 pages, then we could probably get that done in a couple yeah. of days. In a couple yeah, of days. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of legal jargon in there as well. You have to sift through and then they reference other bills or other, um, you know, amendments or whatever. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of digging. But some of the things to take of note, the 
the entire electoral process, uh, such as um, you know whether or not states should have mail-in voting, accepting late ballots. Well, Bruce, we have COVID. We have to yeah. have those things. Well, it gets better. Voter ID laws and mandating that the state, uh, let's see here, blah, 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 mandating that, that state conduct uh, redistricting through unelected commissions. All vi- Okay, so all of this that I just listed there would be under Congress. It would be their doing. The redistricting, that's what we talked about where Schumer is probably going to try and muscle out Cortez. Right. Right. This is that they gerrymandering. Right. That's what everybody gets yeah. all up. So in a tizzy they'll about. just redraw but the district lines and get people yeah. out of the way and or get them. If they can't remove them from the, the constituents, they'll just redraw, redraw the district to where it suits their needs. Right. Right. But that'll be handled at Congress level now with this bill. So it's no longer the states uh, that do all this. It is now Congress, the Fed. So that's just one. Of Why do we have a 10th Amendment again? Why do we have that? Well, let's just do away uh, with it, right? I mean, we, we don't need a fe- that pesky federalist system, do we? We don't need that. Well, I mean, the Constitution expressly says uh, the electoral process is up to the states. Uh, each state is to have handle their own. So uh, the, the next thing on the list here, uh, star chambers. So you as a judge, you could be, so shall we say, brought in to testify uh, before a panel of unelected federal bureaucrats. You know what they call that, Bruce? That's civilian oversight is what that is. Yeah. Um, basically, this would give the authority to compel judges uh, to testify and justify their legal decisions. That's so Marxism. If you're, yes. <laughs> that's that's yeah, Marxism. If you, don't, if you don't do as they say, uh, you are to be um, intimidated. And you don't think... You don't think the other systems that we have coming in, you know, like the ESGs, you don't think there would be anything tied there, right? No, of course not. No, no, Your governance score wouldn't happen to, you know, tank for being in front of one of these star chambers or or even your your social score. Hmm. Well, and it's not like your social score would have landed you there in the first place, right? Right, right. Um, Let's see. Mail-in ballots, we already kind of went over that, but it would also mandate a 10-day delay. So it mandates requiring mail-in ballots and 10 days after the election is over to continue counting ballots. Um, so basically, everything we've seen with the fraud going on, they would uh, institutionalize it across the entire nation. See, this is why I argue those that say, oh, we're like you got these Republicans are coming out at CPAC and they're saying, we're looking at 2022. We're looking at 2024. Uh, I don't know what you guys are smoking. I don't know what you're drinking back there behind the, the curtain or whatever it is, but there's not going to be any 2022. There's not going to be any 2024. This Especially is what we said. Passes. Yeah, exactly. This is what we said after the challenging of the 2020 election with Trump and Biden. If you don't stop it now, there's not going to be a 2022. There's not going to be a 2024. Um, let's see. Uh, so all IDs involving election, you know, for, for elections, uh, it's done. It would register millions of foreign nationals, so foreign citizens. So if you're from another country and you happen to come into our country, uh, you can register and vote in our election. Well, that's been going on for a long time. But this would be mandated at the federal level. Oh, so it would be 100% legal now and you do it everywhere, not just in like California, New York. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it would open the door for election cheating, which we've all seen all that already. You can register same day, okay, without a voter ID, and you could also do mail-in ballots all at all at the in same the time. In the same day. In the same, in the same day. day. So, 
just so I understand, I'm, I'm laughing here. Just so I understand, I can I can do a, a drive through register to vote like McDonald's or something. Right. Yeah. And and when I'm there, I can say, uh, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to vote today. Uh, can, can I go down and, and vote at this place? Uh, but if I can't make it, can I take one of those mail in ballots <laughs> while yeah. I'm here? And, can and you hand me one of those? That, not only that, the election officials cannot ID you. They cannot check your eligibility nor your qualifications for voting, and that you cannot remove ineligible voters. Well, that doesn't sound like a problem. Well, Bruce, there are no ineligible voters. <laughs> well, yeah, under this, there is none. Under this, there are no ineligible voters. None. Uh, you would not be able to clean up your voter rolls. Uh, who needs them? Uh, let's see here. Um, political donors, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a political donor, you're doxed. If you're a what? If you're a political donor. So if you donate to one of these, are you talking about like one of the big super PACs or Doesn't any, any you're, you're doxed. You, you make any political donation. All your information is made public. Uh, let's see here. Well, it would establish. Uh, OK, I, I'm, I'm against that personally. You don't I, need to dox everybody. No, you don't need to dox them. But at the same time, I'm also against I hate this idea because I hate this idea that we've turned campaigning into like this money machine. Right. That's what it is. I get that you need advertising money and all that stuff, but you're running for office. You're running to be a servant. You're not there to make money. Yeah, but you get on, you get it, it starts getting into the area of exposing who you voted for. It's kind of on the same level. If you're donating to a certain person or group, you would stand to reason that you're voting for them. And as such, you're, you're exposed in that. And I think that should be confidential. Look at the times, you know, uh, it keeps you from being targeted by leftist or rightist groups. I, I think for your safety, I, I would prefer the individual person. Now, corporations, that's different. Corporations shouldn't be allowed to uh, donate at all. But no, the I individual never, person, I think they should be hidden. Yeah, I, I never I never agree. Well, and there's a cap on how much an individual can donate to as well. I think it's like $5,000 or something. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I think it's 10. But, but is it 10,000? Yeah, there. But I, think, yeah, I, I agree so. with you. On, yeah, I agree with you on the corporations. Uh, it's 10. It might be 10. It might be five five thousand. This is the last I heard. Five thousand maximum of twenty five thousand per household because you can list you can give donations in each person that lives in the household in their names. So that that's kind of how they would do it. So basically, you would give like you could give twenty five thousand, um, and that would be the maximum um, you could give. That so used to be the way. According to this, it looks like two thousand nine hundred for an individual. The candidate committee two thousand per election. And for a PAC, which is a multi-candidate, uh, it's 5000 Okay. So yeah, that's what, yeah, maybe I was thinking of the PACs then. But the corporations, as far as the corporations go, I've been against that Supreme Court ruling ever since, uh, since I was able to understand it. Uh, way back at the, you know, 20 years ago, I thought, hang on a minute, the Supreme Court ruled the corporations are people and they can give to, to campaign contributions? Uh, what yeah. what is this? Wasn't that, yeah. Wasn't that back in the 90s when that happened? It was back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, the bill would also establish, as I, I said, bureaucrats would set up the uh, the political boundaries. But that means whoever's in office sets it up, so it sets them up to win next time. So basically, these China, people, you know, yeah, I was going to say, these CCP. people basically, you're not even going to be able to forget term limits. I love all these people. Oh, we need to put term limits on them. They're, they're looking like they're looking at living in office, right? That's what they're trying to do with a bill like this. They're trying to stay there and never come out. They're creating a new royalty class with this. That's what they're doing in a nutshell, right? 
I mean, that's that to me is what it sounds like they're doing. You can yeah. never oppose them ever again, and they will never lose ever again. Yeah, whoever uses the system to their advantage, yeah. Uh, the bill would uh, also force register every person in a state's databank. So if you have anything on someone in their database in a state, anything, you're forced to register. Every single person. Well, why don't we just hire the Stasi? Why, why don't we just do that? That That's all they're doing there. They're creating secret police. Felons would be able to vote. You know, I, oh, OK, hold on. The felon thing. You know, yesterday I said that voting is a right. I believe that voting is a right. OK, I do. It's a privilege. But all right. I, I, it, it is a privilege. But I, I at the same time, I think it's right. Dri- they also try. They flip it back on you with the driver's license. They say that driving is a privilege. No, driving is a right, in my opinion. I don't think driving is a privilege, but it comes with responsibilities just like anything else. But the voting thing, felons specifically, just on this topic here, this is an interesting conversation to have because back in the day, if you were a felon, let's say you got convicted of a felony and you went and you did time in prison. After you got out of prison, your debt to society was considered to be repaid and you got your gun rights back. But there was a little bit of a difference back then. We were actually in the process of, I I don't want to say rehabilitating people, but because that's kind of been a, a slow degrading process over the last 70 years. But we had a different culture of people back then. People were responsible. I guess we just didn't have the criminal culture back then like we do now. Yes, it existed, but it wasn't to the level that it is now. We're not rehabilitating people when we send them to prison. Not the way we should. We're not re-socializing them. I guess rehabilitation is the incorrect term. We need to re-socialize them. And that's the part that's not done. We're working them through the system. We're just getting them through the system and we're releasing them. We're not re-socializing them. They come out of of prison. There's no opportunity for them. I'm not going to sit here and sound like some ACLU lawyer, but really there's no opportunity for them. So what chance do you have of building the community and maintaining the community and and keeping crime rates down if you don't re-socialize someone, if there's no opportunity for them? If we can somehow, if we can somehow, only under these circumstances, in my humble opinion, if we can somehow get society back or rebuild society to the point where we have this type of a culture again, somehow, and re-socialize people that commit crimes, because you're always going to have crime. There's no way you're going to ever eliminate crime. It's not going to happen. So if we can re-socialize people and get them back into being productive members of society with opportunity, then you get your rights back. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, there are some out there, very few, but some out there legitimately go through and they are 100% rehabilitated, re-socialized, and they they really try and, and do the best they can to live a normal life. They know they made a mistake. Okay, that happens. But you shouldn't be forever punished, in my humble opinion, if you are a rehabilitated, re-socialized person back into society and you contribute. More or less, yeah, I agree. More or less, I, I would just you know air concerns like, well, what do you, where, where what do we call rehabilitated or re-socialized? That that's the only you know question that you would have there because. Then you could just say, well, if you're a conservative and you subscribe to small government, then you're a a, a domestic terrorist. As such, we have to imprison you and you're not you you don't get your life back until you're rehabilitated. And what's rehabilitation in that sense? Oh, you're a leftist. Oh, comrade. Come on. Yeah. So I agree with you on the on the principle of things there. Right. When you've served and you've, you've done your time, you've paid your debt to society. You should have all your your rights or, or your privileges. See, if you can if you can have it taken away, it's not a right; it's a privilege. So you know uh, that's why you that's why you're supposed to fight for your rights and retain them because um, you you don't retain them if you just say, oh well, it's it's enshrined in our constitution. They can't do anything about it. 
N- no. Uh, try and go go try to buy a gun. Yeah. Um, yeah, shall not be infringed. That's kind of enshrined in our constitution that shall not be infringed. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I agree with the voting once you're out of prison, not while you're in. Yeah. All right. What's the um, next one? 16-year-olds. Yeah, we think 16-year-olds, they know everything, right? They, oh, I th- they, honestly, I think that's too old. We should drop that to nine. Is yeah. that what Nancy Pelosi so, said? Uh, yeah. If you're 16, you can vote. Okay. Yeah, because teenagers, kind they know of, everything. Yeah, they know everything. They, they know more than of, you do. If you're allowing them to drive a, a one-ton or two-ton vehicle, or I guess half-ton or a ton vehicle, um, that's capable of killing someone, maybe you should be allowed to vote. So in other words, what I'm really saying is that age needs to be increased, moved up. You know, just a thought. No argument from me. That's what I, I mean. Uh, I said the voting age should be 35, but you called me an extremist. <laughs> you said, well, oh, that's a bit too yeah, much. It's, it's a bit much. I, I would say 25. Yeah, I, I'd go with 25. Just because you can be in uh, Congress at 25. So if you can be in Congress. Okay. You should be, you know. All right. Fair argument. If you're old enough to run for office and hold public office, then you should be allowed to vote at that age. Yeah. At that fair, age. Fair point. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm teetering on the edge of the idea of maybe you should own property or at least pay taxes before you're Actually, allowed to vote. That I would. Yeah. OK. Yeah. That one. You, you should you should be a property owner. Property I'm, I'm torn on the property owner because they're they're going to take our property away here in the near future. Well, so and then also what, what about people that rent apartments and that kind of stuff? You know, so it's not really fair to them, but I would say at least taxes. You should mm-hmm. at least pay taxes. Then you get to vote. Well, just remember, Bruce, you'll be happy about it when they take everything from you. You'll yeah, be happy about uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Um, no more audits. Uh, no more audits on the election stuff. All that information is thrown out. Um, we didn't have any audits this last time around. True. And uh, you've seen how 74 million Americans were pissed off or 78 million, whatever. And and I'm not talking, don't confuse that with recounts. I mean, audits, not recounts. There's a difference. Recounts means you're recounting everything that's the garbage that's already in the system. You you can't recount because the fraud's already in the system. You have to go in, you have to clean it out and you have to audit what happened. Yeah. Audit, you're you're cross-referencing your voter rolls and signatures and you're looking at everything. Yeah. So no more audits. Ballot box. You know, the, the drop-off points? Yeah, mm-hmm. those are mandated now uh, under this the, bill. The drop-offs is like the ones in California that they were collecting the ballots, I don't know, six hours after they'd already called the state, that that kind? Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That, that kind of ballot yeah. box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, that that's troubling in two ways. Uh, one, uh, were those votes not counted? And two, um, did they later take those votes in and go ahead and count them and they were fraudulent votes. I mean, which... Well, we don't know, Bruce, you know. because we can't audit. So... Exactly. And now it's not legal to audit under this bill. Right. Um, but this is fair. So... Right? This, this is this is fairness. Right. It would also give U.S. territories seats in Congress and Electoral College. So... Um, Puerto Rico, Guam, D.C., just to name mm-hmm. a few. Yep. They would, they would be allowed senators, congressmen... Uh, and electoral college. Well, uh, Puerto Rico delegates. already has Congress representatives, correct? They they do. I believe so. Yeah, they don't have any senators. Obviously, they don't have but any senators. They do have representatives in Congress. That I know. I so don't this, think Guam does because I mean that's a that's a that's yeah. just some floating island out there in the Pacific. Right. You know, uh, uh, it capsizes if you get too many people there. Yeah. So you can't. You know, obviously you don't have enough people there to represent them. Obviously, no, of course. Yeah, you don't um, want to put any more out there just in case it'll tip over it, and, and capsize. Capsize. Yeah. <laughs> this would add as many as ten senators and eighteen new electoral college votes. Okay, so we're packing the Senate. Got it. 
Yeah, so it would pack the Senate. It would also pack uh, the Electoral College. Uh, and potentially by packing the Senate, you would also pack the Supreme Court. So, um, yeah. I'm waiting for you to say the part of this HR1 that says getting rid of the Electoral College, because I'm sure that's coming, isn't it? No, I, I honestly, I, I don't know that they're pushing for that anymore. Um, I, I think they're just going to pack it just like they're packing the courts. If they do okay. 18 new electoral college votes, they're all going to be Democrat. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, you don't, every time. You don't, need, you don't need to get rid of the electoral college because you'll have the electoral college. And the voter rolls, the, the way they're doing the voter rolls, anybody and everybody that's there uh, is considered uh, a citizen. So under that standard, you would be able to add more delegates, if you will, congressmen, senators, based on uh, your popular, well, not senators, but congressmen. You'd be able to add more congressmen based on your perceived population, even though they're illegally there. So let's just import as many illegals as we can. And then you just get more congressmen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Boy, it sounds like a great bill so far. So yeah, that that is the main 15 points out of it. Obviously, I didn't go in and read the bill because um, I'm, I'm, screw that. I don't expect you to read the bill. How many pages is it? Let's see. This is the House passed the bill. It's 800 pages. 800 pages. Okay. Let me explain something about H.R. 1. Okay, the the Senate version of that bill is 800 pages. That's 799 pages too long. Yeah, I'll I'll give him a little bit of slack and say 798 pages too long, maybe even 797. I'll I'll be a little lenient there because there is a lot of jargon you have to fill out first. So I'll I'll give him that much. But see, Bruce, I'm I'm counting on the fact that you won't even be able to list all of the jargon to open the bill with. So you could just toss it out. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, because the first page would be just the introductory and then that's it. That's it. Sorry, that's all you get. Go ahead and pass it if you want. It's not going to do anything. Which, by the way, this bill is unconstitutional. I don't know if you guys understood that, but to nail it in home here, for this to pass legally under our system, it would have to be an amendment, not a bill. This is amending the electoral clause of the Constitution. They're, they're literally so. rewriting everything without actually going through the amendment process. Look, to have a Constitution that has an amendment process built into it, just amend the Constitution. Why wouldn't you just do that? Because we have the amendment process. Yeah, exactly. They can't. Yeah. They, they, they need, I believe it's 60 senators uh, or, or they need a supermajority basically to, to pass that. And it's a long process. It's, it's something like a four or five year process. In other words, it would be done over two terms to, to get it done. And then you would have to have all the states jump on board with it as well. So it, it doesn't. Um, well, we don't have time. We, we don't have time. We have to act now to give all these people these rights. Yeah, we have to act now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to pass the Senate just because uh, even the rhinos are politically aware enough to understand that this bill would spell out the defeat of themselves from there on. like. They, they wouldn't get their little country club meetings. They wouldn't get their little backroom deals, you know, the insider trading. They would lose all of that and be required to go back into the civilian populace and be a normal person. They can't be just a normal person. Can you imagine? Look, look at any of these people that are up there on the hill. They couldn't get straight nine to fives. There's no way. What, what would Nancy Pelosi be if she wasn't that? What would she be? What could she do? No one would hire her. That is a good question. Nobody would hire her. If you if you take out all the connections and all the power that she's uh, amassed over those years over the years, she'd be nobody. Um, she'd be a nobody. She would nobody would hire her. She would. What skill set does she have? 
Nothing. Acting like she's drunk all the time. Maybe maybe she would have stand up comedy. Maybe, you know, that's her bit. Maybe I got some stand up comedy for you if you talk about this. OK, so Eric Swalwell. I heard this one this morning. Eric Swalwell, you know, the fang fang bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Yeah. The one that was sleeping. He was literally OK. This guy's sitting on the House Intelligence Committee. He was heading up the impeachment against President Trump, and he was literally sleeping with a Chinese Communist Party sex operative. And he's still on the House Intelligence Committee. He was removed for like, what, a week? And then they brought him back. Yeah, like it's the equivalent of administrative leave as they were investigating it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice investigation they had. Yeah, because he's still there. (laughs) You you couldn't make this up. He is he's suing President Trump, Rudy Giuliani and Don Jr. for post-traumatic stress disorder (laughs) because of the January 6th Capitol riots. Is there is there a discovery process in that? I mean, with any form of litigation, you, you have to go through discovery. You have to. You, you have to go through any to- any form of jurisprudence. When you go through a court system, you have there's always a discovery process when you're building a case. Always. Hmm. Now, you might be able to use that to his advantage. Assuming Trump could get um, or Rudy or any of them can get lawyers that'll. I know Rudy's a lawyer himself, but kind of fumbled the ball there, didn't you, Rudy? Um, you know, that that crack in that uh, whatever her name was that. that oh, uh, Yes. Sydney Powell, yeah, yeah, cracking. Where, where, where's uh, that? Where's yeah. that cracking? Where's that cracking? <laughs> where's that cracking? That cracking ended up just being a freaking squid. It's all it right. Was nothing. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Does he have Post-traumatic it? Post-traumatic stress. Does he have it? Yeah, he's he was psychologically damaged, Bruce, because of the trauma that he suffered during the uh, the insurrection at the Capitol. That's an insult. That's an insult to everyone that, that suffers from PTSD. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But it, look at it with with Cortez. She was claiming that it was like some form of sexual assault. You remember that? What, yeah, what does that say to, to real victims of, of sexual assault? What does that say to that? Yeah. And she was, what, nine blocks away or something yeah, like she that? Was, she wasn't even in the same building. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was actually eight blocks. But yeah, whatever. Nonetheless, she, was, she wasn't even on the grounds. And same with uh, what's-her-face that was crying there with her. Oh, Tlaib. Oh, um, my God. Tlaib, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. one, GP said that went on for 90 minutes. She was standing up there, till, Rashida Tlaib, she was standing up there for 90 minutes doing that. No, I don't think it was the in front of the podium. I think it was the oh, Instagram the thing, wasn't it? Was her, yeah, wasn't who, it Cortez, the, Cortez's Instagram was 90 minutes? I think Cortez and had, she had, um, uh, what's the Tlaib on, I think. Oh, I, on I her think Instagram that's feed. what he was meaning. I think it was the Instagram feed because I don't, I don't think, um, they wouldn't give them 90 minutes for them to boohoo on, on the floor like that. It, 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 they would have to be a, it, you know, I don't know what, what filibuster or something. They, they, they would have to go on. I don't know, man. I mean, they would have to Ted, pull a crew. I saw Ted Cruz standing up there for 24 hours filibustering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which uh, is impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. Whether you like the guy or not, whether you agree with his politics or not, I don't care. Even if that was a Democrat standing up there for 24 hours, I would respect that. That you're standing up there for 20. The guy didn't even take a bathroom break. He didn't even take a bathroom break. That is unbelievable. I would have fallen over after a couple of hours. I mean, I can talk. You know I can talk, but not like that. Not like that. That's crazy. Give that man yeah, a medal. Yeah, because after we get to, like done with the podcast and stuff, I mean, overall, we sit and talk for probably like four to six hours overall. But after we're done podcasting, it's kind of... Yeah, I'm done. You're done. All right, a coalition of 12 states are suing the Biden administration over climate executive orders, uh, the enormous expansion of federal regulatory power. I'm sure this has got a lot to do with Keystone as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're suing 
Yeah, they're suing the administration over a climate executive order that has the potential to have a serious economic impact across the country through the expansion of federal regulatory power. So the suit, which is being led by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, I'm sure there's no relation to the former CEO of Google. Sorry, I mean, that was the first thing that came to mind. I, actually, I don't know. I don't know about that one, actually. Could be. The suit was filed on Monday. State's attorney generals from Arkansas, Arizona, Indiana, Kansas, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Utah have also jumped on board. All sounds like a bunch of places that either have a lot of quote unquote federal land, which is not federal land. It's the state public land. But anyway, and also um, uh, oil. Well, yes, oil, but also what what the yeah oil and gas. But what a lot of these states have also, not only are some of these states going to be directly involved in where that pipeline is going to go through, but these other states, like, for example, the Keystone Pipeline is not going to go through my state of Ohio. Right. Obviously, it's going to go through your state of Oklahoma, but it's not going to go through my state. It's not going to go through South Carolina. It's not going to go through Tennessee or Utah. Is it? Well, it might go through Utah, maybe. They were doing. OK, so my understanding was, is they're doing some branches, if you will, to this. And they were shipping some of it to other states for processing. Gotcha. Like, I, I think there was one for like Montana or Wyoming, one of those two. It branches off and goes that direction. Uh, it might be actually Wyoming and going down towards Utah. Gotcha. Um, so, so something like that. Well, what some of these other states, for example, obviously, you're not going to send that all the way over to uh, South Carolina. But what does that state have? What does Tennessee have? What does Ohio have? I thought South Carolina did have oil over there. They do. They have coal. They also have coal, too. But what else do these other states have? A lot of. And I know people that do this personally. Trade unions, right? A lot of traveling pipe fitters, a lot of traveling construction workers, electricians, all the rest of it. They're all going to be traveling to build this pipeline all across the country. So their unions are going to their union reps are going to be working with other union reps. Their business agents are going to be working with other business agents to get their guys where they need to be, to get them on a job site, to get them making money to get them staying in hotels, building economies, visiting communities, spending money, creating jobs for other people in those communities because they're bringing in more revenue, these types of things. There actually is quite a few refineries over there. I'm seeing, I just looked it up, you know, Googled it. And there's a good chunk there in South Carolina as an example. So Mm -hmm. it alleges that the Biden executive order 13990 titled protecting public health. And I like that right there, protecting public health and the environment and restoring science to tackle the climate crisis. If that doesn't scream ESGs, I don't know what does. All of that. Everything in that order right there sounds like Klaus Schwab's group wrote it themselves. That's what it Mm -hmm. sounds like. They say that it does not have the authority to issue binding numbers for the social cost of greenhouse gases to be used in federal regulations. They don't care about your social costs. Social costs in the eyes of the United Nations and the World Economic Forum are to be made obsolete. They don't care about that because they have this crackpot theory about CO2 emissions. Well, what do you think we emit as people? It's part of that problem. They don't directly say that because then they would be called exterminists which is what they are, in my humble opinion. But they say that the breakdown of social costs show that $269 billion for carbon dioxide, $990 billion for methane, $8.24 trillion for nitrous oxide, totaling approximately $9.5 trillion, according to the lawsuit, which cited interim values determined by an interagency working group that was created by Biden's order. Nitrous oxide is relatively... That one is pretty benign. Yeah. Uh, Methane... Uh, methane is actually a pretty strong 
greenhouse gas. It's a lot stronger than, you know, like, well, CO2. But the catch with it is we can burn methane. And when you burn methane, it releases water vapor. Mm -hmm. SpaceX uses that as a fuel. So why don't we use methane? Also, methane is a difficult one to get rid of as well. CH4. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything that's a, a mammal releases it. Well, yeah, Bruce, this is why we have to get rid of all cows and, and animals because of, you know, th- this toxic gas, right? This greenhouse well, you, gas. You, that you'd have to get rid of humans, too, because they emit both CO2 and CH4. Well, and I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you because that that's what these people think. Like, that's true. Yeah. True. Under President Biden, this is a statement from... Uh, 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 Eric Schmidt, the attorney general of the state of Missouri, he says that um, under President Biden's executive order, which he did not have the authority to enact. True. These hardworking Missourians who have lived and worked this land for generations could be left in the dust in practice. By the way, by the way, real quick. This is just a funny. I looked at Eric Schmidt and looked at where his office is. It's literally in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> wow. <laughs> doesn't get more Missouri than that, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. That. In practice, this enormous figure will be used to justify an equally equally enormous expansion of federal regulatory power that will intrude into every aspect of Americans' lives, from their cars to their refrigerators and homes to their grocery and electric bills, the suit states. It will be used to inflict untold billions or trillions of dollars of damage to the U.S. economy for decades to come. The lawsuit argues that Biden's order does not have the authority to set values for the social cost of carbon, methane, and nitrous oxide that will be used by regulatory agencies, which that's what they want. They want to cap on all those things, right? Do you remember cap and trade? Uh-huh. Yeah, you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was didn't so work unpopular. Out too well, though. No, it was so unpopular that it got yeah. rejected on its face. Yeah, it hurt businesses. Well, it helped the government, though, but it hurt business. What, what do you think this is going to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Absolutely. This is cap and trade 2.0, man. Well, this is cap and yeah, it, it, it's this, this fits in with the ESG stuff. It does. This yeah. is, this is all, all of that nonsense. Yeah. In claiming that Biden's order cannot set these values, the suit claims that the action violates the separation of powers, the most fundamental bulwark of liberty. Has there been any progress down in your state? I'm, I'm actually on an offshoot of this because your state's part of the lawsuit. So is mine. Has there been any offshoot of this down in your state? Because you guys are passing laws down there at the state level to ban the executive orders. In my opinion, if that gets passed, your state's just going to say, you know what? We're building it. We don't give a damn. I would hope that's the case, but... I'm not really sure. Um, we'll, we'll see when these bills go through, you know, whether or not they pass. If if they pass and are signed into law, then, yeah, I would agree with you um, that our state would do that. Uh, but right now it's a little shaky. It, it's kind of a it's a coin flip, more or less. So unfortunately, do you know what? OK, so I'll give you a choice. Do you want to get into Fauci or do you want to talk about protests? Well, the, the protests are kind of uh, that's kind of good. Right. All right. So there's a new bill in Tennessee and pull that bill bill real quick. There's a new bill in Tennessee that would give criminal immunity to drivers who hit protesters in the street as long as it's not on purpose. So do you remember all those protesters that were blocking the intersections over there and shooting people? Those kinds of protesters. I don't know of any protesters that actually shoot people. You're not a protester at that point. You're in you're armed with a deadly weapon. I'm sorry. You've got what, what did we see? Where I, I want to say it was in Colorado. We saw the video of what was it like two thousand people blocking an interstate? I, I think it was. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it was outside of Denver or a suburb of Denver. Yeah, and and whoever was driving 
had their tires shot out and uh, had a couple of bullet holes put in the side of their car. What, what are they supposed to do? What what on earth are you supposed to do? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I, I remember that now. I, they were in like a Jeep or something. It was two dudes in a Jeep, um, like a Wrangler or something. And they shot out the, the protesters shot out their tires. Look what happened in New York back in May. Do you remember that? All those thugs and hoodlums out there in the streets blocking police cruisers. One that got separated, so they blocked him off in an intersection. They started surrounding his car, so he rammed the barricade. They'll move. When I was a kid, I was always told, don't play in the street. You'll get hit by a car, right? That's common sense. Don't play in the street, you get hit by a car. If you go out in the street and you get hit by a car, well, it's not your fault, is it? Well, I mean, now that's kind of what they're saying. Yeah, that's what they're saying now. Yeah, but this bill, basically, not only does it make it a felony for uh, uh, people protesting in the street, But it also removes the liability of the driver if they're, um, for example, if they go in and start attacking the driver or the vehicle and the driver fears for their life and they punch it out of there. And if there's any injuries or death involved in that from them trying to escape, it's not the driver's fault. I wouldn't stop. I I, I agree. It's not the driver's fault. You're trying to assault us. Yeah. Do you remember the calls? Do, Do you remember the calls? that a woman had her car surrounded. She's got her two kids in the car. She calls the police. They released the 911 call. Mm-hmm. She calls the police and they said, oh, sorry, uh, the mayor's office is telling us not to respond. What are you supposed to do? And the woman's like, are you serious? You're not sending any officers down here? This also has a side uh, side thing as well. Uh, it's not just for protesters. You know, you know, the uh, have you seen the Russian um, dash cam footage? I know other countries do it, but the Russian ones are, are the most crazy so one of the things that uh, yeah they they do it here in the states as well but basically where insurance fraud they will get hit by your vehicle and intentionally the pedestrian will be hit by your vehicle and then they will claim insurance fraud on that you know i was i was working i was working a fraud case one time this sorry i gotta tell the story i was working a fraud case one time and this guy Slips and falls, right? He slips and falls. And he's trying to sue this business. And so I'm looking into this and I went in and I pulled um, what was called a multiplex tape. Multiplex tape was, it's a single recorder that records 25 different shots, up to 25 different shots all at once, but it's time-lapsed. So you have to go mm-hmm. through and you have to use you have to use a decoder. This is back with the old VHS systems. You have to go through mm-hmm. and use a decoder and you have to uh, work it down and then, you know, for each section of the uh, the tape because it records 25 shots simultaneously over top of each other. So if you don't have one of these decoders, you can't do it. Well, this camera, this surveillance camera actually caught this guy. Yeah, he goes into this business and you see him. He's in there with his wife, right? And it, uh, you see him like the, like the normal footage that I could pull from a remote location from IP cameras back in the day. From there, I was able to see the paramedic showing up, putting him on a gurney, wheeling him out and everything. And so I, I went through and I actually pulled this multiplex tape on this VHS tape or this VHS machine. And I actually had to travel two states over to get it. And so I go there. When I get there, I see what this guy did. His wife walks away, makes sure that there's no one around. He literally goes down uh, an aisle. He gets a bottle of, of soap, right? Liquid soap. And he dumps it all over the floor. <laughs> and, then, and then he lays the, the soap bottle on the side of like the shelf. So it's like dripping down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he lays down over top of that. And then he reaches over and he grabs the products and throws them all over top of it. Like uh, he just fell down, right? Uh, it was, ended up being a, a fraud case. So I, was, I contacted the attorney and I said, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. He's like, I got all this. You know, we're, we're, this guy's suing us for like, I, I think it was something like $180,000 or something like that. And um, 
I said, well, you don't have to worry about that. And I was laughing and he said, well, why not? And I said, well, and I told him everything. He goes, send me that tape overnight that <laughs> make sure it's certified because this <laughs> they ended up counter the, the business ended up countersuing the guy for like 300 grand or something nice. for, for a false claim. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I had to tell a story. Uh, well, uh, similar. I actually had something like that happen to myself um, years ago. Uh, we were selling a house, uh, selling the, the house we were living in. And one of the real estate agents uh, was, uh, it was like, you know how they do the open houses for the, the real estate agents so they can go through and look at the place. Mm-hmm. Um, this lady tripped over her own feet on our sidewalk and, and, and blamed it on us and tried to sue us. Um, mm-hmm. She was the the pinnacle of a, a Karen, uh, but we didn't use that term back then. This was years ago. So anyway, but all that to say, um, this would have a benefit to those types of cases, right? Because it's worded as immunity for unintentional harm to a offender by another. So if, if the person that was hit is claiming they were wrongfully whatever harmed or whatever, whatever the claims are, if it was unintentional for the driver, depending on the situation, this could grant them immunity to this. I've had people tell me that they've had protests in their city and, and everything else and, and people blocking. I mean, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, so obviously they've had protests and everything down there. And I've had people tell me that that I speak to that are back there. I say, I'm not stopping. I, if we get to one of these intersections, you see a bunch of these yahoos out there in the street. I'm not stopping. I, I'm going straight through. And that, yeah. that that's not Ohio's not even considering a uh, any kind of a, a piece of legislation like this. That's assuming like if you come up onto it and like there's no way to avoid it and there's only to the, the only way right. is to go forward. Yes. Then I, I mean, I, 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 I certainly if it were me. Yeah, if it were me, I certainly would not ever. I wouldn't ever want to put myself in that situation ever. Right. As yeah. to this have is, to this is a worst case scenario. Yes. As to have to like run somebody down. You'd have to live with that, you know? Yeah. You'd have to live with that. But if it's to the point where uh, they're blocking your car and they're smashing your windows out and they're trying to drag you out of the car or they, uh, they're they throwing bricks at your car, smashing your uh, your windscreen out, your, your back glass out, or these these kids that are smashing skateboards into the back of windows, car windows, or they pull a, uh, pull a firearm on you, which we've seen that in certain cases. Look what they did in... Um, I want to say it was in Texas, where it was in one of the cities in Texas. Guy comes through with a uh, with a pickup truck, didn't even try to run anybody over. He was just trying to get through the intersection. And someone pulls mm-hmm. out a gun and starts shooting at the driver, put two bullets mm-hmm. in the cab, didn't hit the driver. Thank God. What are you supposed to I do? Think that was, yeah, I think that was Texas. Well, look at the one that was in uh, Portland. That one wasn't related to a vehicle. They just cried out and said there's a Trump supporter here and shot him twice. Yeah, that was cold-blooded murders, what that was. Yeah, that was, yeah. So, but this bill, I don't think this bill goes far enough. This bill says that it's a class A misdemeanor as of now uh, with with this bill. They didn't have an offense for this before, but it's a class A misdemeanor. If you participate in a riot and throw an object at another person with the intent to harm. Well, hold on a second. That's a felony in my book. It it is a felony. It should be considered a felony, but... At the same time, what's a riot? Because the mainstream media wouldn't call a single thing that happened last May and June and July a riot. They were calling a mostly yeah. peaceful protest. Yeah, that was that was a riot. By by the very definition of the word, that's a riot. But the media is they're, they're all working on this. Um, the destruction of America as we know it. Top uh, down, to, bottom up, inside out. Yeah. Class E felony. Uh, if you participate in a riot throw an object and inflict bodily harm. And then it's a misdemeanor to participate in a riot. 
uh, with intentionally intimidating or harassing an individual who is present at a place uh, accessible to the public and who is not participating in the riot. So the rep that introduced it down in uh, Tennessee, he says this. He says, if you're intentionally causing harm, this bill won't cover you. That's not what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it goes far enough personally. The co-sponsor of the bill, uh, Representative Bruce Griffey, said that uh, maybe we will add a provision if someone is trying to flee the situation to avoid a life-threatening si- to avoid the life-threatening situation, and they happen to hurt someone in the course of fleeing. Does that? Yeah, that's something that needs to be addressed, I think, because uh, the the way it's worded in here, it's it's basically if you're operating a vehicle and in the process injures someone, but you're trying not to injure people. So you're like, for example, they have protesters and they're surrounding your vehicle and you're you're slowly trying to inch your way through the crowd and you end up injuring someone. Well, that was an unintentional one. But if you're in a dangerous situation and they're trying to attack you or they're assaulting the vehicle, but I mean, punch it. What are you supposed to do? The ACLU is, uh, oh, they're, they're, they're a little upset about the bill. They, they don't like it. Uh, they think that it's, um, you know, infringing on people's constitutional rights. They say that uh, the ACLU of Tennessee strongly opposes this dangerous anti, it's a dangerous bill, dangerous anti-protest bill, which targets peaceful assembly and undermines Tennessee's long practice tradition of nonviolent resistance. <laughs> oh, okay. So... I, I, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I must have misinterpreted this. The class A felony for throwing an object at another person with intent to harm, that's totally peaceful, right? It is. Th- that's, it is. Okay, okay. According to the ACLU, um, that's peaceful, yes. That's peaceful. Okay. And also throwing an object and injuring someone, and that's classified as a felony in this bill, but that that's peaceful, right? That's that's Mostly. Mostly. Okay. 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 This legislation would suppress protests by turning obstruction of traffic into a felony offense, robbing individuals of their right to vote if they are convicted of these new felony charges. Um, it also <laughs> roads are for cars, cars, vehicles, not, not people. It also offers immunity to drivers who run over protesters in the road and criminalizes speech that causes emotional distress or to frighten another person. No. Actually, it, it's intimidating or harassing someone that's not, not involved with the riot. If you're a riot and you start going out and intimidating or, I don't know, harassing an individual like we've seen with all last summer, well, that's a misdemeanor. Well, they say that this vague and troubling suppression of free speech can be easily abused, and it could be uh, leading to the criminalization of protesters' words and beliefs. As was demonstrated this past summer, the government does not need more tools to criminalize. That part I agree with. The government does not need more tools to criminalize. Just enforce the laws that are on the books. That's all you have to do. You don't need to make new ones. So that part I agree with. Abuse or potentially kill protesters. We're killing protesters now. That's what we're doing. We're killing protesters now. Um, I don't I don't (laughs) recall any protesters being killed. I don't either. Um, Hmm. Actually, if you if you want to go to the. Uh, police or government killing protesters. Do you know some of the deaths that happened on January 6th were police killing protesters? They weren't the rioters. I'm not talking about Ashley uh, Babbitt that was involved in the the actual it being in the building. I'm meaning that there was incidents where law enforcement shoved people and they, from their injuries, went into cardiac arrest and died. That I didn't know. One of the individuals, uh, the law enforcement shoved off a, like a retaining wall or a wall. They fell and broke either one or both of their legs and went into shock. And yeah. Let's spend the last few minutes here on the saint, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Mm, We couldn't, yeah, we couldn't end today without, without talking about him. Mm -hmm. 
Now, he said the sainted. Yes, the sainted. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, he said a couple of weeks ago that he was happy with the plateauing of the the COVID cases and the infections and the hospitalizations and the deaths and all of that. He was happy that it was those were satisfactory numbers. What? Just had a thought. We uh-huh. joke about sainting him. We joke about it. But there is actually a process to to nominate someone for sainthood. Mm-hmm. I legit wonder if we could nominate him and legitimately get him sainted just to prove how stupid the system is. You know what? The I, I think the Pope has to be involved, right? Yeah, I think you. I, I think it has to be passed up the line. So you okay. have to have like a deacon and then so yeah. on and so forth. If you saint somebody, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not familiar with the, the sainting process here too much. But I remember someone tried to do this a couple of years back. Uh, well, it's been more than a couple of years now, but the Vatican is involved somehow, and the, so is the Pope. Yep. So you're right on that. But something has to happen. You can, get it, through. You can yeah, get it through with this Pope. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. But the, the, he's more about social justice and whatever else. But there's something about the process. They tried to to give someone sainthood a few years back, but he had to do, whoever the individual was, he had to do like three or four more things to gain that title. So I don't think Fauci's there yet. I don't think I, I think he needs one more pandemic well, probably to, to put him over the top here. Well, he's also done the HIV stuff. I, I think we could make a good case yeah. that he should be sainted. And I, yeah. I, I legit am going to look into that and I'm legit going to see if we can actually do that. OK, uh, let's spend the last couple of minutes here. So he was he was happy about the plateauing, but that's all changed now. Right now, he's he's looking at the, the new plateau in the U.S., right, which is where the cases come down. Right. For those that don't know, they, that's where the cases come down and then they go flat. Right. So there, there's nothing that's increasing. There's nothing that's decreasing. They just hit that plateau. So two weeks ago, he was happy with that plateau. He could see the plateau was happening. and It was great. Now he says that the plateau is unacceptable in true Fauci fashion. New term, I guess. He's flip flopped again. He was on CBS's Face the Nation. And I've got some audio of this. We'll play this here in a second. Uh, The National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases head Dr. Anthony Fauci said on CBS's Face the Nation that the current levels of 60,000 to 70,000 new cases per day were unacceptable. These are unacceptable. Therefore, he argued for pulling back masking and the physical distancing carefully and slowly. See, here's what's happening. The states are opening and they're saying go to hell to the feds and to Fauci and all the rest of these idiots that have no idea what they're talking about. They're playing politics and not science. So now they have to try and save some kind of face and not make themselves look like complete asshats any more than they already do. Now they have to kind of go along with the agenda to make it look like, oh, yes, uh, everything's working out great, just like we said. But in reality, they're losing the agenda and the states are taking their power back and reopening their economies. That's what's happening, except for except for places like New York and and whatever that, you know, there's apparently there's a new New York strain. Did you hear about that? Yeah, they're, they're pushing that one now. There's a new New York strain. And that's concerning to him. That, that's concerning Another to him. New York. Strain? Yes. Yeah, there, there's a there's a there's a New York strain. So, um, yeah, that's that's a little bit of a problem. But anyway, uh, I don't want to get too far off track here and talk about that. Let's hear what Dr. Fauci had to say about the case is plateauing. You know, people are exhausted, and so much of this game seems to be about human psychology. Um, States are moving faster than the federal guidelines are allowing for here. When will the Biden administration put out some clear benchmarks for people at home to make the judgment about how they can return to normal? 
Never. Yeah, well, when you're talking about benchmarks of people who are vaccinated and how a vaccinated person can interact with the other vaccinated person or with oh. unvaccinated people, those guidelines yeah. are coming out from the CDC really eminently, Margaret, I would imagine within the next couple of days, for sure. One of the things that I think we should point out, every day that goes by that we keep the lid on things will get better and better because we're putting now at least 2 million vaccinations into the arms of individuals each day. And as the days and weeks go by, you have more and more protection, not only of individuals, but of the community. So we're going in the right direction. We just need to hang in there a bit longer. We will be pulling back just a on bit these longer, mitigation yeah. methods. It's not gonna be this way indefinitely for sure. We want to get those debt levels of virus very, very low, and then we will have much, much easier time to safely pull back and get the economy and all the other things that we want to be normal. How, but what will drive right. it? Will it be seasonality? Sure. I mean, we're going into warmer weather. Is it going to feel safer? And then in the autumn, we have to pull back again? No, I don't think so, Margaret, because we've been through this movie before where we felt we were going to get some relief in the summer. And if you go back and look at the patterns, we've had surges in the middle of the summer. Generally, respiratory viruses do better in the sense of better for the community in the summer. But we can't rely on that now. What we no, need to rely no, no. on is getting people vaccinating and continuing the public health measures with the gradual pulling back. Uh, we we want to make sure people understand this is not going to be indefinite. We need to gradually pull back as we get more people vaccinated. And that is happening every single day, more and more people, and particularly as we get more doses, which are going to be dramatically increased as we get into April and May. And as the president mm -hmm. has said, we will have, at, by the end of May, enough vaccines to vaccinate everyone. We'll have to put a big push to get it into people's arms. But by that time, we're going to be doing much, much better. We're going to have community about, vaccine centers, vaccine and pharmacies. Oh, really? Okay, sorry. Sorry. Now, what about high school oh. students? Should they be vaccinated before the fall? Uh, well, actually, that's a very good question. And right now, the tests are being done to determine both safety and comparable immunogenicity oh, in high school up. students. We project that high school students will very likely be able to be vaccinated by the fall term. Maybe not the very first day, but certainly in the early part of the fall mm. for that fall educational term. No, Elementary didn't. school kids were doing this what's called age de-escalation studies oh, to make God sure God it's sake. safe and immunogenic in them. They likely will be able to get vaccinated by the very first quarter of 2022. Uh-huh. So all that to say, he didn't answer the question. He was, the question was, should they? And he answered with, they will be able to. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah, he, not he an answer, answer to the question. And then all the other BS that he mm -hmm. included there. Well, now, see, you don't want to rush these things, yeah? You need to carefully and slowly pull back because we all want the economy to go back to normal. This joker single-handedly destroyed the U.S. economy. This guy right here. Yeah, when he says, um, this isn't going to be indefinite, uh, surely it'll, it'll, you know, we'll get it. Well, just um, a little longer. We just need mm -hmm. to hang on a little longer. Isn't that what he said? We just need to hang on just a yeah, little longer. Uh -huh. We can do it, right? Together, we can do yeah. it. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe you. I, I don't. Why should I believe you when you said healthy people shouldn't mask up? And then now we're supposed to be wearing two or three masks? Four, actually. Uh, yeah, four even. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it's going to keep escalating if it, it really. Why, why don't you just, you know, 
plastic bag over your head. I mean, that would be well, the most effective way to do it. There could be a spike. That, but. Yeah, there could be a spike here. There could be a spike there. You might have to close down again. You know, that's yeah. Curious. I wonder why the spikes happened in the summer. Well, um, I, I, I actually I am not curious. Yeah. But riots, protests, you know, that's what those things. It also couldn't be the fact that we were closed down. And when you open up, it, it tends to spread more anyway. So saying it was legitimate, if, if you assume it was legitimate that we've seen an increase in spread, you had people feeling like it was safer to come out because that's what it is in the summertime. And then you had people interacting with one another again. You spread each other's the germs to each other. I mean, there's that. Uh-huh. But- I don't think that was the case. Okay, here's the deal. Here's an easy solution to all this. Do exactly what the Chinese... Hear me on this one. Do exactly what the Chinese did. Are you ready? Uh, Are you you ready for it? St. Fauci? Well, the US and and Europe and, and and the UK and all the rest of them, right? All we need to do is exactly what the Chinese did. When I say exactly what the Chinese did, remember, the Chinese have been open for months. We've been closed. What did the Chinese do that we haven't done? The Chinese set their PCR tests to zero. That's what they did. Or 2025. 20, Close enough to zero. It's not going to well, pick I mean, up the, it's not going to yeah, pick up what Zero would be like, it would be, you would never have a positive. 20 to 25 would be, that's what, that what it's they're supposed doing? to be. No, what, what it's supposed to be is 20 to 25. And what they're doing is doubling it. Yes, but they'll they'll have like maybe one or two cases pop up and then that'll be it because they have their well, test set to okay, not read that's, anything. That's, that's actually fair. They're, they're not, okay, actually, I, I think there's two things going. I imagine they probably are doing the tests the way you're supposed to be at 20 to 25 cycles, but they're not reporting that to the West. That's assuming that they're even testing. Uh, did, I mean, they're anal swabbing now. So, I mean, well, that's mandatory, they must yeah. be. That's mandatory. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's, that's only for foreign travelers. That's not for, for China because right. Right. Know, their citizens know how to do things. So Right. And also, if you're a diplomat, you also are. Well, no, that was a mistake. That was a mistake and a misunderstanding that, yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, but but don't you worry that that Biden administration he's he's going to be all over it, making sure that they they answer for that. Yeah, you can believe that. No, oh, I'm right. sure. Yeah, we're out of time today. We're going to have to go. Fascinating as always. Again, we are promoting our Telegram channel. For those of you who have not signed up to Telegram yet, I don't know what you're waiting on. Get over there, get signed up, get registered, subscribe to our channel. Just search for Dynamic Independence. We're a public channel. We'll pop right up. You'll get every podcast we put out here every day, and you'll also get an exclusive podcast that we do once a week, only available to our Telegram subscribers. And this week, you don't want to miss it. We're doing Room 101 on our exclusive this week. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow here as much as possible, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we'd appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that will do it for today. Thanks for sitting down today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.